the attitude of Jesus regarding children is quite clear. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter into it. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Whoever becomes and welcomes a child like this in my name welcomes me. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But even when the mystified Nicodemus asks how it's possible to be born again once one is already grown, Jesus himself is astonished at him. You are the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? In the ancient world, children were seen as blessings, but they were also seen as things incomplete. They lacked the fullness of maturity, and they would need to prove themselves in a challenging and competitive world. In no way were they comparable or equal to someone who had grown up, to an adult. Jesus, however, extols the condition of being a child over and over again in his teaching. Why? In a child, even before it reaches the age of reason, and even in a fallen world, there is still a tiny glimmer of the attitude that Jesus praises. A small child, an infant, cannot differentiate between his own self, the love of his mother, and the love of God. The child lives in existence of absolute helplessness and total dependence, needing everything from mother and father. The parents will nurture the child, especially his mother. As the mother feeds him, touches him, speaks to him, and cares for him, the child discovers, even before his moral faculties develop, that his primal existence is characterized by gratuitous love. The child is given over and over again good things. The child is loved. The child is awakened to a constant stream of satisfied desires and soothing touches. As the child is differentiated from his mother, he begins to see that this gratuitous love is fulfilled and completed in reciprocity. The mother smiles, and then the child smiles back. And as they go back and forth, back and forth, in a multitude of different gestures, an entire universe of possibilities is opened for the child. When the child grows larger, the mother will continue to share with him good gifts, which the child unquestioningly accepts. And the child will return good gifts spontaneously, whether it is looking into his mother's eyes with eager delight or giving her a fistful of dandelions. As the theologian Hans Rosen Balthasar puts it, for the child, it is natural to receive good gifts. And so, docility, obedience, trust, 
and sweet surrender are not for him virtues to be expressly achieved, but the most unreflectedly natural things in the world. This is so to such an extent that the child adopts the mother's giving attitude unquestioningly as the right one. Later on in the child's life, however, he will confront the reality that not every giver gives gifts that are good. The eager yes unspoken between mother and child now becomes a no, and a mixture of yes and no. The child will then begin to protect himself, wearing armor around the heart, shielding himself from being receptive to others, suspecting their ultimate motives, refusing to accept gifts. As a consequence, the child will also halt himself from offering gifts, instead preferring hiding in himself overextending himself to another being, preferring the certainty of base survival over the risk of transcendent intimacy, and preferring the limited love he can find and grasp in this world over the unlimited love promised by God. The promise that is hidden deep within the original memory of his childhood. I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, Adam says. Though the child has a glimmer of something beautiful within, it is clouded over and tainted in so many ways by original sin. And as a man or as a woman these grown adults now hide from eternal love. This is the tragedy of adulthood in our world. Although we have grown up, we find it impossible to trace our way back to paradise, to trace our way back to a life without shame. So let's ask a question now. How then does Jesus make us children how are we born again? How are we able to find our way back to paradise, to this childhood where life is a spontaneous exchange of gifts and continual embrace of others in love? How does Jesus do that? Jesus does it by making us, by adoption, what he is by nature. Jesus himself is the eternal child of the Most High. He himself is always reposing in the bosom of his Father, even during his earthly sojourn. Like the children of men, he will indeed grow up to learn how to respond to evil with courage and with wisdom. But unlike the children of men, and more like a child of God, he will never allow it to taint his original intuition that his Father is for him, with him, in him, and in love with him. The Father gives him his very existence as a gift 
And the Son eternally returns that gift. He cannot be shaken in his original memory that he comes from the Father, lives for the Father, and is ever returning to the Father's bosom. He is unpolluted and untainted by the way original sin hinders us from becoming children. He is always the child of his loving Father. And his love for the Father is unshakable. The good news for us is this. Page after page of the scriptures bear witness that through our baptism, we are now adopted children of God. We have an assurance of this because Jesus carried out his Father's will in his death and resurrection. He loved us all the way to the end. The love between the eternal Son and the eternal Father, the Holy Spirit, is now poured into us. St. Paul tells the Romans, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The power of this gift means that we are truly born again from the Father's call and election. As St. John says in his prologue, to all who received the Father's Son, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now we've become children again. We can trust the Father with unshakable love. God our Father, and that's just an incredible mystery that we can say those words together tonight, that we can say, God our Father is for us, with us, in us, and in love with us. We now walk through this world not as orphans, but as royal heirs to our Father's kingdom. We can even make our pilgrimage through the valley of tears with our chest always on our Father's bosom, Resting. What Jesus is eternally as the child of the Father, we now are by adoption. Tonight we celebrate the, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. We celebrate that Mary was the first among us to receive this adoption and be born again as a royal child of the Father. God, in the first instant of her conception, preserved her from the contagion of original sin so that she would be a child all throughout her earthly life. She was not yes and no, but Mary was always yes to the gift of God. Only by this grace could Mary be prepared to say yes to the Son of God through the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit when he took flesh through her womb. And only by this grace can Mary continue to say yes to God at every moment of their life together. 
even though Mary developed physically and spiritually from her existence as an infant and then to a teenage girl and up to the moment she became Our Lady of Sorrows on Calvary, she never outgrew the condition of being a child, a child of God. And because of this, Mary was fruitful beyond all imagining. Remaining a child, she overcomes every seeming paradox. She is both virgin and mother. She is both mother of the only begotten Son and mother of all the living. She is both humble handmaid of the Lord and she is the glorious queen of all the saints. She is both the seat of wisdom and she is the ecstatic artist who sings the praise of the Most High as she dances through the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Brothers and sisters, we have also been chosen in Christ to be his adopted sons and daughters. We were chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and immaculate in his sight. We are beloved. You are beloved. And we can let ourselves be children who trust the goodness of God in our lives as Mary did. Today we should ponder questions like this. With all that's been said, do I really believe this? What is preventing me from living as the child of God that I am? Where's the Father inviting me to docility and obedience and trust and the sweet surrender to his embrace? How is the Father whispering to me that he is making me fruitful, making my life fruitful beyond all imagining and overcoming every paradox? In a few moments, the Holy Spirit will overshadow this place and transform our gifts and our very selves into Christ. Let's pray fervently and joyfully and playfully with Mary, our sister and our fellow child. Let's pray to eagerly welcome Christ as God's little children, trusting and receiving. May our amen tonight be our way of saying with Mary, our sister, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word.